Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another Ever Ag GDT podcast. I am your host, Cody, and with me, Mr. John Spainhauer out of the Chicago office. John, how are we doing today? Hey, Cody. Doing very well. Good to be here and good to have you back. I got a little lonely last time running this on my own. I, I can imagine. We didn't have the, the back and forth banter that we usually get. It's the back and forth banter I've come to love. Got to give the people what they want. Seems <laughs> to be our mantra. Well, Cody, I'm afraid uh, some of your listeners are going to be a little disappointed with what I'm bringing to the table today. But if we look at the GDT results that came out this morning, we were, you know, I'll say, I don't how do you categorize it? I don't want to say substantially lower. The overall auction result, though, was 3.6% lower. And as far as I can tell, that's the one of the biggest downticks in the auction that we've had in quite a long time. This is the third lower auction in a row. However, you know, this would be the, the biggest decrease that we've seen in quite a while. Now, hitting on that, like you said, this is not, uh, I guess, it'd be more substantial than the last two, but this is the third auction in a row that we've had that is necessarily lower. But our price is still quite a bit discount to the rest of the world, speaking to the EU and uh, New Zealand, correct? You bet, Cody. And that's really where it gets a little bit muddy in here and trying to interpret what exactly does this auction mean to the U.S.? There is absolutely no denying that the international price increase that we've seen over the course of the last, I don't know, seven months, seven to eight months now, is very much responsible for the increase in U.S. prices. We've got the U.S. Class 3 right now at 25.10 and Class 4 at 24.80. It is impossible to imagine in my mind that our prices would be as high as they are if it weren't for what we've seen happen in both New Zealand and in Europe. However, we have been uh, a substantial discount to the rest of the world the whole way up, and that has allowed us to capture more and more exports. In the case of today, we did see the New Zealand price move lower here, and that puts the New Zealand nonfat skim milk price at $1.99. It puts their New Zealand butter price at about $2.93 on an adjusted basis. And finally, it puts their cheese at about $2.80. So it's very easy to say, hey, this was a substantial downtick in the GDT. And this is the third lower auction in a, in a row. We, we really turn the tide here. And, and I can say, boy, something really has changed out there on the international waters. However, it still doesn't necessarily translate to me as being eminently negative for the U.S. price, specifically for the price of cheese. Our cheese price went lower today, but called about 237. Again, EU 275 and New Zealand at 280. Our butter price moved a little bit lower in here into about the 271 range. The EU still at 350, New Zealand at 293. Finally, the U.S. nonfat price is just a shade under 180. Europe at 201 and New Zealand now at $1.99. So there's still a significant amount of room, uh, if you want to call it that, between the U.S. price and the New Zealand price and the European price that should continue to keep U.S. prices moving higher or, or supported. There can even be a case made that maybe the New Zealanders lost a little bit of demand on this one because the U.S. is finally starting to get our, our ship in order, if you will, on getting a lot of 
product out the door at the port level. We've heard quite a bit of cheese moving out the door and other products. And we've seen that the facts of that being printed in the export report. So really starting to get some of that going on here. It could have decreased a little bit of demand on the GDT, but I think uh, you would have to say, you know, if somebody were to say to me, John, why on earth did the GDT suddenly fall off here over the course of the last three sessions, especially this one? I'm going to have to point right at China on this one. Chinese participation on the last few auctions has been significantly lower than it has been for quite a while. We've seen them pull off. We've noted this for now several auctions, and it's important. It's important to point out that China is just not here right now. And I take that back. It's important to point out that China is here. They are just not participating at the level that they have been in the past. And if we try to diagnose why haven't, why are they not participating? I think there are two main functions that we can look at. The number one is that I think I read this morning, 370 million people in China right now are under lockdown orders due to their zero COVID policy. That's a big number. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think that's near the population of the United States under strict lockdown orders. That takes out quite a bit of demand out of the international side. And so I think maybe you've got some people that have stepped off of the auction. At the same point in time, I think it's important to point out that a big part of the Chinese import demand for whole milk powder has come from the fact that Chinese internal milk, their fresh milk, has been significantly more expensive than the cost of bringing that powder in and paying a tariff on it from on whole milk powder, bringing it in, paying the tariff, reconstituting it and selling it as, you know, whatever kind of product that it needs to be used as. Right now, that internal milk price in China has moved significantly lower over the course of the past few months. And now it is at or right around parity, you know, depending on how you you really want to get into the granular effects of it. But really, you know, it is it is making it so that it's actually kind of cheaper to just go ahead and buy fresh milk and pass on the whole milk powder. That is definitely part of what I think happened here and why the Chinese weren't here. And I guess a, a case can be made that the Chinese are done and they you know, won't need to come back to the GDT again. I, I don't know that I am in that camp. Uh, I'd like to see what Chinese demand looks like after they work through their COVID lockdown issues. Do you think, John, when the COVID lockdown ends over in China, do you think they'll come back buying hand over fist? you know, per se to get everybody fed that is now going to be out in the streets and going out and buying groceries and all this kind of stuff. Cody, I learned a long time ago not to predict what the Chinese are going to do. Um, It's a fool's errand and it's one that'll burn you almost every time. What we can say, though, is is I see no reason why they wouldn't. And I, I, I can somewhat explain away why they're not here right now. And, you know, you get these ports back open and that demand back running again. And I can see I can easily make a case for them to come back. I'll wait to see if they do or not. But I think right now to say China's done buying uh, dairy products. Well, I think that's a, you know, a little bit getting uh, ahead of ourselves. And at the same point in time, the warning shot went across the bow three auctions ago. And I think we said it here. You got to look out for that. It was an important shift in the tectonic plates of dairy, that auction back on March 15th. Here we are on April 19th. We, we see what happens when they step away. However, I do think it's still very important to point out that the Chinese participation was relatively low on this auction. And on top of that, 
Fonterra made somewhat of a surprise announcement on last Thursday, our Thursday, saying that they were going to shift some volumes around, and they weighted the front-end offerings a little bit heavier this time than expected. So you have the Chinese backing off. You also have some extra powder coming to the market uh, at a time when it wasn't expected, and prices go down. Why did Fonterra do that? I suspect that they had a few Chinese buyers that shifted their demand on their purchases and said, you know, we're we're not going to take it right now. That left a little bit more product out there to have to get marketed. Less demand, a little bit more supply, prices go down. However, like I pointed out on the last auction, to me, it still strikes me as a little curious that here we are, we have Chinese participation very, very low, and we only moved 3.6% lower. Last time, I think we only moved 1% lower, and the time before that, 0.9% lower, right? And and the reason why I point this out is to say, you know, those are, you know, specifically today to see China backing off and the, and the more powder on there, we could have easily seen uh, an auction result that was far more severe than this. And the reason why I think we didn't is because what we have is an uptick in participation from the other regions. Again, Southeast Asia up 44% here, just looking at the numbers. The Middle East, 200 up 203. South and Central America up 187. Again, these are starting from small bases. There is no doubt about it, especially on the Middle East and, and Europe and Africa and those numbers. But there's still increases. And what they demonstrate to us is that even though China has backed off, other regions of the world have stepped in. They are buying, they are coming to New Zealand, and they are buying, you know, going ahead and getting filled on these prices. And I think that's what's helping keep the the GDT as buoyant as it is. As always, I like to say, well, why then why are they buying? Uh, I think we've explained away possibly why China hasn't wasn't buying, but why are these other regions coming to the GDT and, and buying with such fervor where they weren't there before? And I think the answer to that is European milk production. We've talked about it on this podcast now, Cody, for how many months? It, it, I sound like a broken record. European milk production has been bad, and it is currently getting worse. And there, there's a case to be made that European milk production could get better or should get better at these higher prices. It is, in fact, getting worse right now. And it is getting worse during the spring flush. So this is when a substantial amount of milk is typically processed at cheaper prices and you know carried in some way into the balance sheet moving forward for the rest of the year, we are missing a significant piece of that milk right now. And that milk probably isn't going to be made up later in the year. And what that is doing, I think the phrase somebody used uh, the other day was, it is causing supply security concerns. And I thought that was an interesting phrase that in Europe right now, more and more people are beginning to worry about the possibility of just not having the product that they need. So people are contracting up on their on the supply that they're able to get a hold of. I think that is forcing them over to New Zealand to look for alternative supply lines, as well as I think it is forcing people to the U.S. and causing them to look for alternative supply lines as well. Thus, our price is rising today, withstanding from that standpoint. Today, the price did come down. That's what I was just going to kind of ask you, and you touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the the show here, but you said you weren't too nervous uh, about prices. And I know usually when you and I have uh, these GDT days, we kind of talk about it. It seems like Tuesday, Wednesday is a little bit more of a bearish sentiment, and then we get to a certain price point. 
Thursday, Friday, uh, you know, a lot of the buyers seem to step back into the market. But when you look at the cheese non-fat, even the butter price, I mean, cheese and non-fat, we're talking about a 20 cent discrepancy in both of those commodities between us and the rest of the world, right? So to your point, if there's such a problem going on with milk production overseas, there has to be a certain point. And maybe we're seeing that right now. Uh, as you've mentioned before, maybe it's kind of like the ball underwater effect where we're kind of that ball is just really starting to pop up now and maybe ready to explode. But there has to be a certain point where they come over here and say, hey, you guys are 20 cents cheaper. We understand that the freight charge is going to be there. But we are losing milk month after month over here. How much of this product can we get bought? You know, it's a big part of the argument here, Cody. And I think as some of our uh, more straightforward customers would say, you get those boats moving and I'll sell a heck of a lot more cheese. (laughs) (laughs) You know, right now it really it's not a matter of price that's holding us back. Price is there. The product's there. The product's good. The American dairy industry has created a product which over the years, which was probably always fungible into the international cheese markets. And at the same point in time, they've made great strides in developing markets for that product. Our product is very much accepted. It is very much fungible with other products around the world. We are cheaper. People want it. The main you know, bottleneck here is the port situation. The port situation is getting better. It's going to go through ebbs and flows, but it is getting better. And as long as that's getting better or isn't getting worse, I should say, I, I think there's a strong case to be made that, that right now that the spread between international prices is probably too wide or, and it's at the very least very supportive of the U.S. And at the same point in time, I, I can see it. I can make a case where the spread closes in, where the rest of the world might come down a little bit and the U.S. price comes up. And uh, as we get into the summertime, I can't say it enough here. Here we are on April 19th. We've got cheese prices. They came down a little bit today, but let's call them 237. So here we are on April 19th at 237 and there's no cheap milk here in the U.S. What does this market look like when we get to July 19th? And I just can't help but think that, yeah, sure, we'll go through ebbs and flows like this, but I'm not willing to throw the towel in on this market yet. Although I do think it is, we have to go into this with eyes wide open. We have to keep our eye on that Chinese participation. If it stays away and European milk suddenly starts to get better, you can still make a case that prices are coming lower. If that Chinese participation ramps back up and European milk stays in the situation it is, you can make a case that we have not seen the highs even in Europe and New Zealand right now. That's a, that's a great perspective. I think everybody's going to appreciate no matter what side of the coin that you're really on in the dairy industry right now. Uh, with that being said, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? We have another two weeks to the GDT podcast. We have our milk production report comes out tomorrow, the 20th. And I believe cold storage is Friday, the 22nd. So we do have those big reports from the USDA coming out here in the next couple of days. But as far as the GDT, do you have anything that really hit home besides the Chinese unparticipation in this event? Cody, I'll say this. There have been times in the past, specifically here, well, just even on the GDT, but I'll, I'll just say here in the US where the market is moving higher and sometimes it feels like a game of keep away, right? People need product. There's a plant that must have gone down or there's some sort of supply disruption and it's hard to get a hold of product. And we make these sudden moves higher in the commodity prices. And three weeks later, whatever the problem was, the, the 
the market moves back lower, right? And you, you can make a case for it that it was, you know, it felt like a game of keep away in some way or, uh, you know, it wasn't sustainable. If I look at the behavior of the international market and then I bring that back over here to the U.S. markets and I look at the rally that we've experienced during the course of the last six months now at this point in time, I have to say this is the single healthiest rally I've ever seen here in my time around the dairy products. At no point in time was there a matter of illiquidity in the futures. There may have been pockets of I needed to get something done and you know, we had to go limit up or limit down. I understand that. But that the the liquidity here on the CME has never been better for those that want to get hedged in either direction. Uh, I've never seen it done with such ease. But let's go back to the spot market and look at the behavior on the spot market. There certainly were times when we may have increased our price here on the CME on unfilled bids. And that always drives everybody crazy. And I get it. I still tend to look at it like the, the federal discount window. You only bid here if you, you can't find it somewhere else, and you only sell here if you can't sell it somewhere else, and the price moves on the margin. However, it still happens, but if we look at it through the lens of we have moved higher and there has been incredible liquidity on the CME at times on the CME spot market. And that's not just cheese. That's also nonfat. That's also butter. Uh, We've seen a commitment out of buyers and sellers to use the CME. And yes, the price moves, but it moves on good liquidity. And it just, I stand back from it and say, this is a very, very healthy rally. And with that being said, until I see signs that it's becoming unhealthy, I'm forced to look at this and say, well, this is a healthy setback. And for those people who have concerns about prices going higher, the liquidity is out there for you to either get your physical or to get your financial taken care of. And that goes back to the any dairy producer who's out there worried about prices going lower. The liquidity for you to hedge has, has never been better. And I, I may be mistaken on this, but I don't think we've ever seen a higher forward curve across the month, including across the calendar year, including going out to 2023 right now and some of the prices that can be locked in either through the futures, options, or the DRP. That's a good point. We we can't uh, wait forever to to get hedges placed. And as you said, pr- a healthy pullback today, possibly tomorrow, the way that futures are looking. But uh, we, we got to be careful of those upsides, especially from everything that you're talking about with China today. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for John and I on our GDT podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to email myself or John. And uh, with that, we will see everybody in about two weeks. Have a good one. Take care. Mm-hmm.